3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. It's the number one ranked and undefeated Oklahoma Sooners in cat country to take on Kentucky, eighth in the country. Yo, one to Alois Hammer, deep to left field, and gone! Jocelyn Alois starts the party in Lexington with a bomb over the left field wall, and it's one zip Sooners on number 101. 3 2, Hammer, and long gone! Oh, baby, what a shot! by Lindsey Elam. Here's a 3-1 pitch. Line shot deep to center field. It's got a chance. It's gone! Lindsey Elam again to the deepest part of the field. And Oklahoma has painted the Bluegrass State Crimson. 2-1 to Brito. He's lifted deep to right center field. Get out of here, ball! It's gone! The pitch driven pretty deep to center field it's got a chance it's gone a two home run night from Alyssa Brito 8-1 Sooners 9-1 Sooners oh my goodness this ball is over the scoreboard in left field are you kidding me Jocelyn Allo a mammoth blast way out of here the 0-2 cold strike three with Colin Sooners Oklahoma comes to the Bluegrass State and paints the Kentucky Blue crimson and cream. Final score, 9-1. to Victory! All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. Patty Gasso's the best. And they stay there. And they say yeah. And they say there. In no way is this a a shot at play. But that highlight reel, it sounded like you because they hit home run after home run after home run after home run. It sounded like we were replaying the same play over and over again. Yeah, well, when you hit six of them, dude. <laughs> That's amazing. Sh- um, when should I say I, I told you so? Should I do it like now? Maybe wait till later in the show or uh, just whenever? I, I've got a, a few hours here to do it. So whenever well, I can take my victory lap on. What is it the you're game referring to, though? I just said multiple times on yesterday's show that. Well, God, Kentucky's going to be tough on the road. See if they can do it. And I told everyone yesterday that that, they'll do it. Don't worry. And they're going to do it in impressive fashion. They're going to go out there and put on a show. And that's what happened. We were right about that. Yeah. You you had OU score right. You you had the nine right. You did not have the six right for Kentucky. Uh, That's good. Uh, But uh, another impressive win on the road midweek. Um, highest ranked team left on the schedule. Is that right? 
depending on what poll you're looking yeah. at. I think one poll, Oklahoma State was seven and Kentucky was eight. But I made the argument yesterday Kentucky's the best team they're going to face throughout the rest of the regular season. And, and buddy, if I'm right about that one, uh, <laughs> buckle up. There might be a lot of uh, run rules left here from here on out. State's better than Kentucky, aren't they? I, I think Kentucky's the third best team in the SEC. Yeah. Well, it's probably pretty comparable, but I, I don't know. I might give the slight edge to Kentucky. One thing I said on uh, Diamond Envy podcast today, which as we speak is uploading up to uh, Apple. Oh, iTunes. really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, go subscribe to uh, Diamond Envy. And it's true is that happened last night. We've been touting this as a tough game against Kentucky. They win 9-1, to Teddy. And was anyone surprised? Was no. Like, was, it, was anyone really surprised about that last night? Okay. Well, I've also predicted them to go undefeated in the regular season. That would be an accomplishment, no doubt. But again, would anyone be shocked or surprised if this team goes undefeated in the regular season? Uh, No. I'll answer that for you. No. This better be going somewhere. It is going somewhere. If they were if they go undefeated and win the national championship and don't lose a game, will we be super impressed? Yes. Will we be shocked? No. Like that's the point is they've reached this level of elite to where no matter what they do now, we're not saying, "Dang, I did not see that coming." Every single incredible thing they do, we say, "Yeah." Yeah, I yeah I I could I, I could have seen that coming. I guess that doesn't shock me all that much. That's how good they are. It's true. Nothing surprises you anymore. Nothing surprises you. It is true. Um, I I guess it wouldn't be a shock or a surprise if they go undefeated. It would just be a that'd be a really big move. That would be really really impressive because I know like there is a. I mean, softball is fairly similar to football in the sense that there is a a very concentrated amount of power at the top, right? And Oklahoma happens to be at the top of the heap right now, but uh, the Women's College World Series is going to be full of some really, really good no, teams. No doubt, man. And no doubt. They are the best of that group right now. Um, you just you got to keep it rolling. I, I, what's impressive about Oklahoma, and you've mentioned this before, is like the depth and like the three pitcher rotation that we have is is there's no one out there that's close with three. Right? They've there's some really good top pitchers up there, and that in softball that's critical because they throw the majority of the games and can throw back to back and all those things. But uh, Oklahoma's ability to throw three elite arms at you. To give you different looks is that didn't is really untested. that didn't really happen in this game a right. whole lot. And then even the lineup, you know, Lindsey Elam's been catching here the past what week and a half, two weeks. Kinsey Hansen's been sidelined, and Kinsey Hansen got an at bat last night, which she's been hitting in the middle of the order for you know a while now. She's one of your better hitters. Well, Teddy, if she hit last night, I'm going to guess that she's going to be available for this weekend. And in any other situation, well. A girl that's been hitting in the middle of your order, one of your best players, you just throw her back in the order. Well, it's kind of hard to do that right now when Lindsey Elam just hit five consecutive home runs and is the team captain. You know? Alyssa Brito is on a tear right now. So there's a lot of these girls that are getting into the lineup and making such an impact 
to where they're almost demanding Patty, like, no, look at my numbers. You cannot take me out of the lineup. It is it's it, crazy. It's, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy impressive. And you know, I'm I'm sure that that's the that's the situation we're looking at now. And I'm sure there's others on on the team as well that if you miss a game or two because of an injury or, or whatever the <laughs> reason luck. may be. Your backup might hit five consecutive home it's runs. Nuts, man. Golly. Dude. That is nuts. That's fun though. Yep. So uh OU softball still on the streak, still dominating. And man, what's going on in the NFL this year? This has been the most Is it crazy? We've been using or what? the word crazy a lot this segment, but this has got to be the craziest offseason that we've seen in quite some time, right? Just just the number the number of guys. I mean, the elite of Big guys. Big name guys. Brady was in the news. Uh, Russell Wilson was in the news. Aaron Rodgers was in the news. Baker Mayfield is in the news right now. Tyreek Hill is on the move. It seems like every elite player in the league, there's at least some uncertainty attached to their name this offseason. It's crazy. The Chiefs, man. I Tyreek Hill is... That's a big piece of their offense that he's a guy you can't replace. There's not, not that speed, man. Yeah, there's not another. He is a totally unique player to the NFL. And, you know, it's, it's a, he's a lot of the reason for Mahomes' success. Having him as that asset out there running around, you just can't replicate that. Be interesting to see what happens there in Kansas City in his absence. Um, it's crazy. All this stuff is crazy, and we still don't know much about where Baker Mayfield's yeah, going to end up. Um, I talked to a guy at in he does radio in Houston yesterday, and he was saying that "embrace the suck" is their new <laughs> like slogan down there. To which I said, "Well, why hasn't the University of Texas football been d- doing that or saying that for the past ten years? Just embrace the suck, right?" It sounds like they are going to roll with Davis Mills. It's kind of one of those where, and it makes sense, if this works out for Davis Mills, great, we have our quarterback. If it doesn't, then, oh well, we'll embrace the suck and we'll have high draft picks for the next two years. Like We don't want to go get Baker Mayfield in Houston and be just good enough to not be able to go get a Bryce Young or somebody in the draft. So, right. I was hoping that Baker would end up anywhere other than Houston. Now I'm kind of like, dang, I hope he's a starting quarterback in the in the league next year. I know. It's wild. Um, it's wild. And I, I believe that his contract is – it almost guarantees that he's going to a place like Houston. That's why I think it's – Houston is the one. Um, uh, I – that one-year contract at 18 mil, and then he's an unrestricted free agent, totally off the books. If if you are a if if you're Houston and you're taking a quarterback this year, if there's someone that you like, or if you plan on taking a quarterback next year, they're, next looking, year's they're class, looking at the Bryce Young draft. Is yeah. what they're looking at. I mean, he's he's kind of that that guy that gets you through the year. 18 million bucks, then totally off the books. I mean, but that's what I'm saying is that I don't get the feeling that they're going to do that because yeah. what if Baker gets you, you know, seven or eight wins? He's just going to be good enough potentially. 
then you can't go get a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or whoever else you like in the draft. Like, they're going to embrace the suck. Like, they're either going to find their quarterback in Davis Mills or they're going to be absolutely terrible and go find one in the draft. So now I'm starting to think that Seattle, uh, I'm hoping this Pittsburgh rumor is true, but it could be Seattle. Yeah. I don't know. I, Baker Mayfield at Houston, if 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 they decide that that's what they want to do is um, suck, it doesn't like Baker can't override. Well, that, that's that, true. Yeah, you know? they're so bad everywhere else that no matter who's there, they'll still stay. Right. No, I, hear uh, I would like I would like Seattle or Pittsburgh for him, either place. I. The problem with both of those is you're following the legends, right? True. I mean, and, and there's really there's really no great scenario out there for him, right? Cleveland was the great scenario. So I don't know what's what's to come of Baker. I don't know where he's going to go. But my hunch is that we haven't heard the last of him, that he's going to land somewhere and he's going to make a, a mark whether it's a, a short run somewhere or something, he's going to do something and and have his name heard. Sure. Um, I want you to think about something throughout the break here. Now, we know nationally there's a lot of uh, nerds out there that write for a living that think that this hire of Brent Venables is a dumb one, a bad mm-hmm. one by OU. But we don't really care about their opinions, or at least I don't really even trust their opinions on the knowledge of football But there are some opinions out there that I do care about and I do trust, and that's the coaches. That's the coaches in the SEC. That's the coaches in the Big 12. So maybe you've heard something from some coaches on what they think about OU hiring Brent Venables, but if not, I'm going to give you about four minutes here to kind of think about what coaches around this league and what coaches nationally think of a guy like Brent Venables who's very identifiable, like what they think how good of a hire they think that this is by OU. Because really, that's the opinion that I think actually matters here. Right. It, it does. And uh, I, from everything that I've heard, and I haven't, I haven't talked to a bunch of coaches around the country, but um, I think talking with the coaches that are at OU, that were at OU previously – I think that gives you as good of a glimpse as True. anything. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they were they were part of the most of the guys there were part of the regimes that made the playoff and were to uh, to borrow a few words from Lincoln Riley were close. If if you talk to those guys, it's like if they were truly close, then. Look out because it's a totally different animal right now. And I don't know. There's there's good things in the future. So my guess is if you talk to anyone out there that is you know, that that is looking into what's gone on and up against them on the recruiting trail that you're going to hear pretty quickly that there's some big things happening at OU. I'd be shocked if you heard otherwise. I would guess that some coaches out there that, you know, that we really respect are yeah, they're doing things in, you know, more of a productive way to win a national championship. Yeah. They they look like they're about to be way more of a contender than they've been recently. They are building it the right way. And they were close to always use that word under Muleshoe in terms of making the playoff, but I don't think like Nick Saban's, you know, 
shaking right now, but I'm sure that he and Kirby Smart and some others are taking notice like, okay, that's a pretty dang good hire. Obviously, Alabama's taking notice because they're offering every single kid that OU's offered in right. the next two recruiting cycles. So something's going on there. They've noticed something. Right, yeah. Um, I there There is... I think right now there hasn't really been enough time because you weren't OU wasn't really banging heads with a bunch of other staffs out there on the recruiting trail because they got into the last class so late. This class, I think they'll probably have a few different things to say. Yeah. And especially I like, you know, it's all about also what does the product on the field look like, you know, because that team's gonna be a reflection of of the things that you prioritize and you know if you if you've got a, a team that's out there that still lacks discipline that penalizes themselves turns the football over gives up big plays and doesn't function as a tight knit group then it'll be apparent but if you have a team that is tough disciplined um you know cohesive everything's pulling in the same direction that is going to show up as as well i wonder if they think cuz a lot of these especially these older guys have seen it in multiple decades where ou's really been humming and one of the elite in the country i wonder if some of those coaches are saying dang like he helped get that started at clemson what could he pull off at ou with some of those guys seeing before you know what you can do at ou when it's really going well yeah yeah there's no doubt it's um there's big things in the plans and i like i've said before i'm a total believer that it's it's not about if it's when and i feel like it's going to happen fairly quickly fairly quickly all right quick timeout opening timeout hit us on the text on 651-3439 air comfort solutions text line we'll be back make the right it is the rush on the ref. We're inside the Brown O'Haver studios on this Wednesday. Keep it coming on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Here's some recruiting news that you can get down with. Kaysen Kalmus is taking a visit to OU this weekend. That's Rocky's boy. Or as people are making the joke, uh, congratulations to Ted Lehman's son huh. for taking a visit this weekend. Very Know anything funny. about Kaysen Kalmus and uh, what kind of athlete he is? I don't. I really don't. Now, um, I the last time I saw him was on the field at Tennessee. He was out there. Team went for a walkthrough on Saturday afternoon, or Saturday morning, rather. And Rocky was there, and his kids were there. And I saw him running around on the field. Now, that was a long time ago, but... God, that what, 2015 was a long crazy, time ago. How man. depressing is that? I know. Jeez. Six and a half years ago. <laughs> Stop. But I could see... Just by the way that he moved around and stuff, whenever he was playing around with some other kids out there, that he was different. Oh, really? Was yep. he was he running around with those kids with a broken leg and a broken arm <laughs> and a broken collarbone like his daddy used to play with? No, not yet, but that is interesting. Uh, is he a 24 kid? Or? Uh, I think that may be right. Going into his junior season, I think that's I think that's correct. Yeah. Someone can uh, fact check check us on that if uh, if we're wrong on it. What is um, so Rocky got drafted by the Titans? And yeah. He just stayed in he just stayed in Nashville the whole time. He played mm -hmm. there, and then I think he got 
traded to Indy. Uh, we played them in a preseason game one year, and he was he was in Indy, and I don't know that I don't know that he ended up making the roster there or not, but he did good at Tennessee before he I think he like tore a hamstring, had to have hamstring surgery. Wow, he actually had surgery for an injury this time around. I guess the NFL will change you. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's the case. I could be wrong on that, but um, nonetheless. In uh, in college was an unbelievable player in the NFL, uh, very effective backer. Dude had an absolute knack for the ball. Always, always around the ball. Always making big plays. Uh, just an absolute stud. Yeah, when uh, coaches say, "Yeah, our team kind of governs itself for the most part." I guess when you got Rocky and Torrance on the same football team. <laughs> it's pretty easy for the football team to govern itself when you got those two dudes on it. Yeah, no one wants to mess up with those two guys. They'll take care of uh, any problem that's there. Especially, I, I would guess Torrance was. Is Torrance more intense than Rocky, or is it equal craziness on both sides? Uh, just equal, but different. I just totally different. Um, I. Torrance was a – he's just like a no-nonsense guy. Um, like, just had carried the attitude of the absolute alpha dog on the entire football team, right? And Rocky was, um, you know, he was he was the leader of the defense, one of the leaders of the defense, and – just one of the guys that was always in the right, always knew what he was doing, always getting everyone lined up, always, uh, you know, had the had the right answer for any problem. So, just they were a little bit different in their approach, but both totally effective. Let's go to the text line. Philip from McAllister wants to know if Schmitty has made you hit the stairmaster yet. Not yet. I did see Schmidro today, and. Very happy to see him, but at the same time, I was worried about hearing the hand down or um, just hop on the Stairmaster Big Dog, something like that. There's always that that weird feeling around that you're going to be ordered to do something. Seriously, did he give you a, uh, what's up, Big Dog? Oh, you still yeah. been working out, Big Dog? What are you throwing up nowadays, Big Dog? He looks good. He looks good, man. I don't know how old Schmidt he is, but dude's still in great condition. But you did get a big dog once you oh, first yeah. saw him. Oh yeah, huh? And he, how is it? He, huh? He didn't feel your biceps and be like, "What are you throwing up now, big dog?" <laughs> no, 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 no. He's got he's got plenty of uh, plenty of kids to worry about up there right now, and they're looking good. Day one in the books. Did he have um, nice, pretty nice reviews on the off season? Yeah, I didn't get a chance to talk to him much about it, but yeah, he's he he likes it. Says it's going well. Cleveland has screwed over Baker like Muleshoe screwed over Oklahoma. Yeah, what's what's up with that nowadays? Dang. It is interesting. What's – Cleveland, they could have maybe traded him or figured something out before. Like they, made, they made him essentially worthless. 
It's like they listened to the Twitter crowd. They read all the tweets that were going on and saying, oh, God, he sucks. We got to say that he sucks publicly. And then, uh, well, who cares? Like, we we don't even need to get anything back from it. Like, right. The way that they handled it was, was quite odd. Uh, let's hit a few more. It was awesome how the broadcast on the SEC network was trying to say the win had to change in order for home runs to go out of the ballpark, yet OU just kept cranking them out. I, I keep seeing people reference that. I didn't see that, but that is funny. The wind was blowing last night. There, there was a couple of um, fly balls on the infield that would blow you know, all to the first base side, like the second baseman couldn't make a play, but Allo was just hitting them off the scoreboard so it wouldn't even matter. It was insane how many, how many they were hitting out of the park last night. Elam is going nuts at the plate. She's going to have to be in the lineup when Hanson is ready to get behind the plate. That is correct. Tyler, you were right. You told us so. Oh, you beat Kentucky's butts. Don't. I love that one. That's skip my favorite over text. that one. During that intro, I was waiting for Teddy to scream, Get him a body bag! Yeah! <laughs> Mark in Newcastle. Uh, such a good song. Such a good song, the old Karate Kid song. That was nice. I was, uh, speaking of Schmidro, as you call him, I was listening to some Ted Roof today. Oh, he, yeah? Yeah, he had a press conference yesterday. And early on in the presser, he was referencing the fourth quarter program. Now, to my knowledge, I haven't known anything about a fourth quarter program previously, and this is the first I've heard about a fourth quarter program with this new staff. Um, It's pretty self-explanatory, I guess, but what do you know about the fourth quarter program that's been going on throughout the offseason? Are you talking about... Like with strength and conditioning, so that's yeah, that's the way it sounded well, to me. Schmidty's always had you know where you hold up the fourth quarter, right? And that's always kind of been like the extra conditioning stuff is fourth quarter. That's where you go above and beyond, and that's whenever you know you get that work in. So whenever it comes to the fourth quarter, you hold it up, and that's to signify that we know we've done the work. In order to dominate the fourth quarter physically, uh, we we're in shape. We're in condition to do this. That's what I know of it. Now, I know nothing of what they've got. If if there's something different than that, like, I don't. You know what I'm saying? I, sure. I, I haven't heard of the new. I hadn't either until Ted Roof mentioned it. I I didn't know. What did he say about it? He just said, yeah, you know, throughout the offseason conditioning and the fourth quarter program, it's, well, what's this fourth? Again, it's pretty self-explanatory. It would just be, I'm guessing, extra conditioning at the end of practice that, well, one, puts you in better shape, but two, and we've referenced this a couple times, it's more about the confidence of, no one is doing more than us right now. No one is doing the right. fourth quarter conditioning. Nowhere is as hard as it is at OU right now. Yeah, and I, if, if that is what they're referencing, I think that's a good thing. I, I tend to go opposite of all of the current trends that suggest uh, rest and recovery over volume. Believe volume is critical, and I, I guess that's maybe what the the approach. I don't know. I'll have to figure out more about it. See exactly what's going on with the fourth quarter program. Everyone's gonna be real excited. Everyone got super excited during the off season hearing about bodies changing and all the videos coming out. If you report back tomorrow and say that it's been a 
I mean, it's been hell month out there with the fourth quarter program. Woo, buddy. Yeah. Some people might pass out, including me. Well, um, I know that it's it's going to progressively get more and more difficult. Right? First winner in the books, introductory on a lot of stuff, um, good work in there obviously too, but it's it's going to continue to get cranked up. Summer's going to be more difficult than the winter was. And then you go into fall, which, you know, is is kind of a different animal with football. But then next winter is going to be harder than this winter sure. was. And it'll start progressing. I, I am going to laugh if uh, we get to training camp and they're not practicing at uh, 7 a.m. anymore because it's just the coolest part of the day. If BV has them out there at like 2 o'clock practicing, woo yeah, bring it back. I, I, I don't know, know if they'll do that, do it. but that yeah. would, it would be funny, though. You know – since you can't do two a days anymore, it it really kind of defeats the the purpose of being out there super early or you know what I'm saying? It's like usually you go out there, you get it out of the heat, you get one practice in because the next one you know is going to be right. you can't ha- you can't handle two hours in the heat really. Right. Well, so, you got to handle three and a half hours in the heat on Saturday. So if you can't handle two hours of it. That's kind of odd to me. If I'm a player, I would rather practice in – well, I say this. It's – I don't know. I was going to say I'd rather practice in the afternoon during training camp, but I don't know. It's just – when you get – say you practice in the morning, right? You're done – say you're done at 11 o'clock. You're there at the facility for like the next eight hours just meeting – Watching film, maybe going out and walking through stuff in the weight room. Like, that is that is the real grind. Like that stuff is, it's just so hard to pay attention and to to be able to soak it all in without actually playing football. So I would prefer to get there, meet a little bit, break up, eat whatever, and then practice in the afternoon just to break the day up some, man. God, they were too scared to practice in the heat previously. They were going to the wrong conference for that, man. No, yeah. no wonder he well, left. You know, I don't know that it's... It's a lot more humid in the southeast. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's brutal. I thought you referred to the Pac-12. No, right? no, 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 no. It's pretty no. mild out there. Mild and dry. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Hour number one rolls on. Stay with us. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers. Check out your local dealers for great purchase and lease deals on the full line of Buicks and GMC trucks. Hello, Oklahoma. Brandon Armstrong, operating partner here at Seth Wadley Ford in Falls Valley, and I have an opportunity for you. Brandon, first, great job on making Seth Wadley Ford of Falls Valley becoming the number one Ford truck king on this Wednesday. <laughs> Thanks, Lincoln. I love how Tyler is all for pain when he's not involved. Good Fair point. Fair point. If I was involved, yeah, let's have it at 7 a.m., guys. Come on. What do you think? 7 a.m., get in, get out, you know, make it a day early. What do you say? Let's... I hear what the text line is saying, but I think it's a bit dramatic 
to suggest that having a practice in the afternoon is putting the guys at risk of heat This stroke. is not Junction Boys, guys. This is not Bear Bryant taking the A&M football team down and nearly killing half the squad during uh, summer workouts. You got 10,000 gallons of Gatorade sitting right there. Uh, what are you going to do if and, – and follow me. I know this is an outlandish scenario, but imagine you're playing a 2.30 kickoff no, on a Saturday. okay. That's where you've lost <laughs> me, man. That's where you've lost me. Right. Like, what are you going to do if you happen to play in a hot football game and you have not been acclimated to that environment? There's a reason that you practice in that type of environment because you're going to play – in that type of environment. You can't hide from it. Odd observation about a current Big 12 football program. Hmm. But um, judging by most hires, it's kind of hard to hit three consecutive hires out of the park. You know? God, Texas hasn't even had three great hires in its program history. I guess even OU, well, maybe OU has. I think that that's fair to say. But it's pretty rare that a school makes a great hire, follows it up with another good hire, and does the same thing after that. You know who's done that? Besides, Baylor? Yeah. 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 And whereas Texas hasn't made a great hire, what, since the 90s, I guess? And Tech is still trying to find their way. A&M is hoping that Jimbo's the guy. How has Baylor, of all schools, been able to hire three consecutive coaches that have won at a high level in Waco when, when you and I were growing up, they were the laughingstock? Yeah, I don't know. Um, obviously, Art Bryles put Baylor on the map. Like, they went from being a perennial cellar dweller, bottom of the league, to playing with attitude, um, flashy uniforms, new stadium, new facilities, uh, You know, competing and playing against the best of the best, recruiting really well. And they continued that with, like, he got them back on the map. Now, they they had the whole situation that followed, but they made a really good hire and convinced Matt Rule to come and take the job from, um, why am I drawing a blank, up in Philly, the school. That he uh, was Temple. At, uh, he was at Temple, did a really good job there. They convinced him to come take the job at Baylor, and how they did, I don't know, but he took kind of the the leftovers from what Art Bryles had and instilled, like, there was already some, like, toughness and swagger there, and he instilled some discipline and, you know, development and some other stuff, and it just, it hit right. And they've had a couple of years that were bad, but whenever he left, they made another really, really good hire. The timing just happened to be right, and they brought in Aranda, who, you know, kind of con- continued with some of the groundwork that Matt Rule had laid, and it's just worked. It's just interesting, and really, they were the least likely candidate for a state that sticks its chest out more than any other and claims. Football just means more here. It's a religion, all that. Well, Texas has struck out on, what, three consecutive coaches now, potentially? Tech, a and like Baylor, of all teams, has been the one that's found consistency with hires. Never would have thought that would have been the case. And Well, I think there's a reason for that. Baylor has a lot of money. 
But the money that they have, and I, this is just a outsider's view of it. I could be could be wrong, but the money that Baylor has is far more consolidated. Like they have a smaller handful of very large donors, and just from what I've viewed, they are hands off. So they kind of let everyone else do their job, right? You go to Texas and everyone wants to be hands-on. You need to hire this guy. We need to start this guy. There's no donor showing up uninvited to a Baylor practice to tell the coach that he's safe in year one. Right. You know, so I think that is why Baylor is able to have success is because they're financed really good. They're in a geographically, they're in a good place now. Waco sucks as a town. Yes, I'm sorry, to We're the worst Big Twelve town. <laughs> it, it is. Man. It's not a great town, but geographically, it's you know, it's right there in the middle of Texas. You can get to it from from everywhere. It's it's in a good spot to recruit a bunch of those different areas, and you can do your thing. You can coach. That's why I think all of their programs do pretty well is because finance well can recruit well and you just go in there and do your job some of the other places there's far more politics involved at texas at texas a&m at some of the and we've even heard about some of that stuff going on at texas tech like there's so many more people that are trying to pull and influence the direction of the programs that it becomes hard. So mo money, mo problems is a real deal. Yeah. Well, guess what's going to happen when uh, OU and Texas roll into the SEC? Mo money, right? Now, for OU's side, I think that that could be a very positive thing. But Texas already got all this cash. Mo money, mo problems. You're getting more money, and you're rolling into the SEC in a tougher league? Ah. <sighs> I continue to think by a day that this is going to be a disaster for that athletic department going into that conference. And whereas OU saying, yeah, we still need some things to happen before we go that league, I don't think Texas really understands the, the mess that they're about to find themselves in. Can I sell you on it's going to be great for, tech, for Texas in every sport except for football? Uh, basketball, you're going to have to convince me a little bit more. Um, well, I, like think, baseball, I think it's a baseball, less... Okay, sure. Yeah, women's reason, basketball, sure. The reason I think basketball is because I, I consider it to be a less competitive conference in the Big 12. It's not bad. It's still a pretty good league, though, man. No, it's, it is. But it I, I think the Big 12 is just a little bit more difficult. So I think that basketball, Texas kind of have... And it's listen. I'm not a basketball guy, but they seem to fit the SEC style a little bit better than kind of the Big Twelve style has been. Um, take that or leave it. But baseball, I think they'll fit well. Softball, they'll fit well. So I don't know. But football's Fo- going to be a disaster. No, because I think it's it gonna is. Be. It's going to be a disaster, and it doesn't work because, at least right now, from what we've seen, it is. You have too many people pulling in different directions. I, I think one of the big big hurdles for Brent Venables is making sure that everyone involved 
understands the goal, understands the needs, the resources that we have to have, understands all of that, and everyone can, you know, pull in the same direction whenever you go to the SEC. You've got to have a united front whenever you go in there because, you know, if if things get ugly and everyone starts, you know, trying to to pull and influence and say we don't need this or we need this instead and that doesn't work, it's just it's chaos. You've got to be unified in 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 the direction that everyone's going, and I think they're working on that. But it's going to be difficult no matter where you are. So there's going to be some headwinds. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number one next. Opinions, you've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Smart decisions bring the biggest returns, like the 2021 StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number one. We have a little violence going on the text line right now. Uh Uh-oh. Whoever is sending the don't practice in the heat messages needs to be blocked. Never read their BS on the air again. (laughs) Wow. Do uh, do colleges practice in full pads? I know of a big 6A high school program here in Oklahoma that doesn't practice their players in full pads and haven't in several years. I always practice in full pads no matter what the weather conditions were. Huh. That's shocking to hear that a 6A team doesn't practice in full pads ever. Huh. You seem skeptical of that claim. I do. Seem very skeptical of that claim. Now, I I think that as a a long season wears on and – you kind of judge the the health of your team that you can pull back on full pad practices and lessen the contact as your team gets deeper and deeper into season. But I, in my opinion, there's no way you can be prepared to play a football game at the best level possible if you haven't played in the full gear that you use to play the sport. Yeah, I agree. But that's just, just me. like every other sport. Yeah. All right, quick timeout. Hour number two, The Rush, coming up next. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions.